If you've been following me or read my book, you already know that I talk a lot about the science of emotional eating and how negative emotions literally hijack our hunger. Yep, our emotions can increase hunger hormones just like the ones that we mimic with drugs like Ozempic, Wegovy, and Manjaro. But this week, I heard something surprisingly new and fascinating about how we can be with how we perceive and understand our emotions, which I think is going to be game-changing for how you experience your emotions, and of course, as a result, how that impacts the way you soothe with food. Welcome back to Health Bite. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Udim. I'm a triple board-certified internist, obesity medicine, and physician nutrition specialist, and I help people like you redefine nutrition to not only include the food that we eat, but all the ways in which we can nourish ourselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And before we get started, I want to share some really exciting news. Our link is live for my first ever personal event, a transformational event, ditch the new year, new you shenanigans, and create a new approach to sustainable weight and wellness in the new year. In this course, I will help you redefine nutrition beyond what's on your plate to receive actionable guidance on how to incorporate diet, sleep, movement, and contemplative practices into your daily routine. We will discover together the profound link between physical and emotional hunger, help you break through your barriers, and give you a chance to meet with me and ask all your questions. And because I am so grateful for your listenership, I've created an exclusive promo for you. Head to the link in the show notes and check out with the code POD20 for 20% off the event. Okay, now let's dive into today's episode. This week, I happened to stumble upon a researcher by the name of Lisa Feldman Barrett that totally flipped my belief about emotions. Conventional wisdom and what we knew to be true was that emotions were predictable reactions to events. For example, you see a lion, automatically your heart races, your blood pressure pumps, and you feel that sensation of fear in your mind and in your body. You immediately go to that sense of anxiety. But what Dr. Barrett shares is that these feelings are not automatic at all. In fact, your brain is like a command center that is constantly making predictions to determine your bodily reactions and more to the point here, to determine your emotions. The information that the brain uses is past experiences of fear. And that's why it feels so automatic. It draws from experiences of fear that you have had and then sets the balls in motion for the changes in your body, the changes in your emotions, and of course, in your mood. But what if your brain's prediction is wrong and there was no lion and you were just startled by a sound while you were hanging out in the forest? Nonetheless, the emotion of fear was set into motion, even though The reason behind it was actually false. 
So Dr. Barrett goes on to say that there are three ingredients that create your emotions, only one of which is your current situation. The other is your body's budget. I love this. And the third are your predictions from past experience. And by modifying these ingredients, it allows you to take more control over your emotions. It allows you actually to intervene into that feeling of automaticity that occurs when you experience something that sets your emotions in flight. So first, I want to talk about your body's budget because it is just so in line with so much of what we talk about in this podcast. Your body has an energy budget, and there are things that you can do to feed into that budget, and there are things that we do that take away from that budget. Not surprisingly, the food that you eat adds to or can take away from your budget. How much sleep that you get, if you are moving your body regularly, these things all feed into your body's budget. And this makes a lot of sense, right? We all know that we're better able to regulate our emotions when we are rested. We are less likely to become irritable or snappy. Or when we are fed, we are less likely to be hangry, right? So taking care of our bodies is the most basic way in which we can regulate our emotions. And this is some place where you really have agency. The reason why I love this so much is that once again, we are taking the attention away from our weight. So often we conflate diet and weight loss. Diet, which is merely the food that you eat, has so much more importance in our day-to-day than the numbers on the scale. And when we're able to separate the two, when we're able to separate our body's budget from this notion of weight loss, then we can relate to food in a way that is so much more serving of our mind and body. So the second second parameter that she speaks of is your current situation. So in our example, it was the case of the lion. And so we can modify our current situation. You can walk away or run away from the lion. But let's give some more practical examples here. Like you're on Instagram and it is um, creating anxiety, right? It's agitating. It's stimulating. You can change your situation by shutting it off or better yet, by never turning it on, right? Another situation, you are in a party, for example, on dry January or at a bar where everyone's drinking. You feel uncomfortable because you've made this commitment to yourself and here you are being triggered by the sight, smells and people around you. You can move yourself away from that situation. That's not to say that we shouldn't be socializing and dealing with the underlying stuff. But in that moment, if something or someplace is giving you anxiety, you can contemplate actually taking yourself out of that situation. And we don't give that enough importance. We don't give ourselves enough power in terms of the ways in which we can create an environment that serves us. And then lastly, And this is what I find most intriguing by Dr. Barrett's uh, information. 
Most challenging, though, but also most intriguing is changing your predictions based on your past experiences, which to me sounds like it sounds very much like changing the narrative, changing the story that you're telling yourself, right? Like someone cuts you off in traffic and you take it very personally. You feel affronted. You feel angry. What if the cutoff was not a personal attack? (laughs) What if it was not framed from your past experiences of how you previously have reacted to these sorts of situations and you merely thought of it that in a way as though the distracted person cut you off, right? Like maybe he or she just received bad news or maybe he or she was just distracted, which is really probably the reality of the situation. Then your prediction or narration of this cutting off could lead you to a totally different emotion. It could lead you away from anger and from a place of taking personal affront to a place of sympathy or empathy or even curiosity. Like, gosh, I wonder what happened to the poor fella, right? The way in which you can redefine your past experiences and reactions can impact your emotions in the current moment. Here's another scenario. You're walking down the hall at work or at school, picking up your child and your coworker or a fellow mom passes by you with a scowl on her face. Now you could easily feel anxiety in that moment, trying to make a prediction about what it meant that that person scowled past you and didn't stop to say hi. Maybe I didn't finish my work assignment on time. Maybe I did something to the mom or said something, or maybe she heard something about me that made her like me less. I want to point out that your past experiences, and even if some of these examples previously were true, they are not necessarily true. And they don't need to be taken into account for your predictions of the current situation, because your predictions could very well be based on storylines that are outdated or false. And guess what? They often are. You could say to yourself, oh, wow, John may have gas, (laughs) because seriously, Dr. Barrett says that the data shows that 30% of the time, the scowl represents anger. That means 60% of the time, or rather 70% of the time, it represents something else. And she says a very common reason for scowling is just having gas. Or it could be that the person is really concentrating on something. Maybe they have a thought that they're very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Caught into, right? They're concentrating on something that's going on in their own head and in their own mind. So, You can change your predictions of the event that is triggering the emotion and therefore, or change the emotion itself. So I want to repeat that. You can change the predictions that trigger your emotion and therefore change the emotion. And this again is so powerful because I love circumstances in which we take 
agency back into our own hands, where we take power out of the external space and bring it internally. How often in our lives are we just reactive, reactive to the people around us, to the circumstances around us, to the news that we hear, to the situation around us? We feel like we are constantly being hijacked by our environment. Here's an excellent example of how you can modify or change the narrative around the situation that you're in so that you are less likely to be impacted in a way that doesn't serve you. She had another example of something she uses in her own household that I just love. So I'm going to read it verbatim. This is what she says. Have you ever felt wretched, like you're a horrible person, like everybody hates you and the world is going to end, but in fact, there's nothing actually wrong with your life? And I'm going to put a parenthesis here and insert myself. There are so many times where I feel like I'm in a funk and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? I try and take that emotion of, you know, funk and backtrack to figure out what happened only to find that really nothing happened and nothing is wrong. Okay. End parentheses back to Dr. Barrett. That is what we call the emotional flu. You're having an unpleasant physical feeling probably from a disrupted body budget, and your brain has constructed all sorts of negative explanations that are deeply personal. To deal with these feelings, we took inspiration from the real flu. The influenza virus isn't personal. It simply takes up residence in your lungs. Likely, we worked hard to view the wretchedness as purely physical and to treat the symptoms with naps, walks, exercise, hugs, or whatever works. By repeatedly reframing the situation from personal to physical, my family and I changed our brain's future forecasts, making it easier to create the non-personal, non-judgmental, emotional flu, ends Dr. Barrett. That's just brilliant because you are literally rewiring your brain's reactions to outside events and therefore changing the emotional fallout to a more positive and even a more realistic response. And I want to make a note here that rewiring of your brain is not just a metaphor. This is actually something that happens. We've talked about neuroplasticity in the past, which is the notion that our brains are not static. They really are plastic, meaning they are ever changing. And we create these pathways in our brains by doing things over and over again, like habitual snacking, or by thinking certain things, over and over again. When we do certain things or think certain things in a repetitive way, we create really strong pathways, automatic or almost automatic pathways in the brain. But when you are intentional about your actions, when you're intentional about your reactions and choose a different path, literally a different neuronal path, then you literally create this new highway 
this new wiring or rewiring of your brain's neurons, making that path the more likely path to travel down. So when you take this pause to question your predictions and take a new path, not only are you saving yourself and your emotional fallout in this moment, you are also setting the tone for changing your emotional experience in the future. And that's just incredible. I want to say that this is not easy. It is not automatic and it takes work, but I feel like it is the work of our life. It is the work of emotional maturity. And guess what? You need not be perfect in order to be effective. I can just see how some micro tweaks can make life so much easier for me personally, taking this information into account. So how does this impact how you eat? Well, we often disentangle food from our emotions after we're already behind the eight ball. For example, you've bought into this story in your head. You have danced with the emotional flu, taken it personally. Now you feel sad. Now you feel listless. Now you feel burdened. And you have to stop yourself from soothing that sadness with food. You're already in it. But what if you replaced that emotional flu and the sadness or boredom or listlessness that happened as a result and replaced it with curiosity? Then there would not be this difficult emotion to soothe. Now, I don't want to be unrealistic here. There are occasions when big emotions are understandable. And of course, I get that. So let's start with the small stuff. Let's start with the scowling, gassy coworker and see if we can work our way up from there. Remember, there are work towards emotional recognition and recognizing our emotions, disentangling ourselves from them, and learning not to soothe them with food or any other substance for that matter or distraction is a destination, or rather, it is not a destination but a lifelong pursuit, a destination perhaps that we have to work towards in an ongoing way. So I hope that gives you some food for thought. I'd like for you to think this week how you can use those three ingredients to change your predictions, to change your emotional reactivity. Can you work on your uh, body's budget? Can you give yourself more of what you need, less of what you don't? Can you think about ways in which you can remove yourself or just not put yourself into situations where you know you're going to be triggered or you know you're going to feel emotions that are unwanted or unwelcome? And finally, can you, when you were there and when the trigger has triggered, Review and revise your predictions. 
revise your narrative or the story that you're telling yourself so that you prevent what feels like those automatic negative emotions from coming up. I would love if you would take some time to incorporate this into your week, think about it intentionally, and shoot me an email. Let me know how it's going. You can also DM me on Instagram at Dr. Adrian Udeem. Last but not least, I would love if you would join me February 13th for my first ever personally led workshop. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of how we regulate our emotions and how we use that to change our relationship with food. And don't forget, when you head over to the show notes to sign up, use the promo code POD20, all one word. I look forward to seeing you then. Have a great week, and I'll see you here again next week on Health Bite.